Like, I don't feel like the the overlap where, like, a, a lightning god, it's like, oh, yeah, I get yeah, it. Hit yeah, hit him with the mace. Right. Yeah, yeah go for it. <laughs> Your god's just always, like, peeking out of the clouds. Yeah, bash him. Get him. Are you going to help? No, this is dope. <laughs> so fucking cool, man. <laughs> don't uh, you have better things to do? Nah, I lost all the rest of mine because I kept encouraging them to go to bigger and bigger <laughs> battles. And they just, you know, they got torn to shreds. They challenge ratings and whatnot. <laughs> Yeah, you can totally take this ancient brass dragon. <laughs> Fuck him up. I swear I'll help. I'll totally help. Oh, oh, sorry. You oh, he got eaten. Oh, 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 the paralyzing breath. You're done. You're done. Shit, I got to get a new one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <So>. what Brothor. <laughs> Welcome to Monsters of Multiglass, your Dungeons and Dragons fix. I'm Kevin Odie. I'm Jared Bornigal. And I'm Will Melvin. And we'll be hanging out with you for a while to talk about anything and everything D&D related. This week we're taking a look at the Cleric Fighter Multiclass, and then later on the Morka from Volo's Guide to Monsters. So pull up a chair and hang out for a while. This week we're taking a look at the Cleric Fighter Multiclass. The Cleric is the full caster, divine caster, usually dedicated to a specific god, the most subclasses of any class in D&D. But again, get their casting from their holy entity uh, to multiclass into or out of it. You need a 13 wisdom. And then our other class, the Fighter, is the dedicated martial class uh, need either a 13 strength or a 13 dex to multi-class with their main thing is really just that being very good at fighting so with this i'm going to turn it over to will some for some first thoughts around this multi-class what do you got so first thought is harping back on my experience with clerics is a lot of people do make the mistake of thinking cleric as a priest and wow. That's because it was the most popular MMO when we were growing up. Very much not true. Especially some of the subclasses mesh great with uh, heavy armor and stuff like that. They're great at getting up in the fight. The only thing you have to worry about is the concentration. Thematically, there's there's never ever been an issue with multiclassing into fighter. So this is... I. It's just a pretty good uh, good overall. Yeah, they really give off the vibe of a holy warrior in D&D, more so than paladins. Oh, definitely. Uh, Kevin? Yeah, this is great overall. There's a million different ways to do it. As, as you said, there's the most subclasses for clerics, and a whole bunch of them work great with a fighter. So you're a fighter, dip a little bit into a cleric, pick the domain at first level, and you get a neat little ability. Or the other way around, cleric, a few levels in the fighter to boost your melee prowess. And yeah, definitely recommended <laughs> end of podcast yeah well i mean one of my uh first negatives to it is i think there's a lot of argument for this could probably just be played as a paladin like mm. a, a lot of them i i'll get into why i'm wrong later don't worry will yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> at the bit man <laughs> um but like you know that's i think the first negative criticism that could come up for it is it's like okay so you're trying to be a fighter but they're kind of a holy warrior it's like isn't that what a paladin is there for? And yes, kind of, but paladins definitely have a, I think as, as we've started to play them, is it's pulling away from that holy aspect and more towards their oath of whatever. Right. Um, and that can still work with a lot of what the clerics have, but because of the amount of cleric subclasses, you can really open it up so that, yes, you're losing smite, but you're still keeping that same type of holy warrior idea. I couldn't be a paladin who is dedicated to a lightning god and get lightning powers because of it, but a tempest cleric with a fighter multiclass could. 
And that's right. something that they could play off of. So, you know, it's it's different. It's definitely different. It just has a lot of similar overlap if right. you go about it incorrectly. And that's, I think, one of the first things that you are missing in comparison is the the smite, which, I mean, you know, and you won't miss it. The big thing, this is like looking at this, I really regret not taking Saucy one level into fighter. I mean, a one level dip into fighter is amazing. Always, always good. Yeah. And it could have got my AC to 23. <laughs> With the fighting style? Yeah. It's yeah. like, look at it, it's like, oh, that would have been, a, that would have saved me. That 23 AC would have totally. That's what would have been it, Help right? me dodge that <laughs> horrifying disintegrating right. If we could just go one episode without talking about Saucy. Nope. <laughs> he was the greatest of all characters. <laughs> yeah, a quick dip in the fighter for a cleric can be amazing. If, as long as you're not a cleric domain where it's really just trying to focus on casting. Also, mm-hmm. uh, if you go like war cleric, forge. I think life is another one. Like any of the ones where it gives you at level eight, you get where if you hit something, you get a one d eight of a certain type of damage. Right. Any of those really. Uh, so first level, you get your fighting style, and then second wind. Second level, you get action surge, and then three level, you get your first thing of your martial archetype. Yep. I mean, fighter I think yeah. is universally one of the best dips you can take. But with a cleric that's already kind of leaning into the melee role. Right. Um, even though they're still a full caster, I mean, you're, you're sacrificing the spell c- progression, which can be important, but you're getting something in return. It, it doesn't feel wasted. Right. Uh, it's not like you're going into barbarian or something where it's like, oh, okay, now I can't do any of the things that I wanted to do. Right. Um, and maybe even that's still all right. This isn't that episode. So, you know, I'll ignore that. Right. Uh, <laughs> but fighter, I mean, even just action surge, you can cast two spells now in a turn. If it seems necessary. I was wondering, is that actually true? Yeah. The rules around uh, casting is is that you just can't cast a bonus action spell and a spell that takes an action. You can cast two spells that take an action. Okay. Yes, it's dumb, but yeah, that's, that's it. Action surge, is, it stands out on its I've own spent, as a very strange thing. You just right. get to do another thing, right. ignore everything else in the game. The specifics rule, rules are that if you cast a bonus action spell, then you can only cast a cantrip as your other spell. So if you cast an action spell and then action surge, you can cast a spell again as an action. It's dumb. Sounds, I remember arguing <clears throat> about this. Yeah, but it's straight from the... <laughs> yeah. Did the, you look it up recently here? Yes. All right. Straight from Jeremy Crawford. Okay. Uh, <laughs> whether or not I agree with it, eh, you know, who knows? But officially, that also means that if you cast a bonus action spell, you can only cast two cantrips if you action surge. So if you cast spiritual oh, I weapon, remember this guy, yeah, right? Yeah. So if you cast spiritual weapon, then you can only cast two sacred flames if you action surge. But if you cast fireball, then you can cast another fireball if you action surge. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus actions are so freaking dumb. Yeah, I, that yeah, one I think I, I, um, I would homebrew that where it's the the action from action surge does not have any limitation. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that was what what we came down to was right. it's like, oh my god, I can't I can't reasonably justify that just because its rules is written. Uh, so if you cast spiritual weapon, then you get a cantrip, then you action surge, go ahead and cast your full spell. That's right. fine. That makes sense because that's what a sane person would <laughs> interpret the rules as. But that's not what we're here for. <laughs> so yeah, that action surge can be very powerful, allowing you to cast two spells in one go. You know, one's concentration, the other one's not or whatever you want to try and do. There's there's a lot of benefit there. I mean, action surge. Has anybody ever turned down a free second action per short rest? 
Probably. <laughs> I don't know. I've never played with every person. <laughs> and, but no, I mean, we're back at the same thing we always say with Viter. It's just like, nothing you get is bad no. in the first three levels no. of this. Right. There are things that are a waste, like Arcane Archer. Like, this, this is a... It's kind of railroads you because the cleric has a lot of melee potential that I feel gets a little bit lost in the fighter, I think can actually really benefit so that you have like saucy never hit anybody with his mace. No, never. There was never a reason to, because total of the dead just blew it out of the right. water. Even when you came to level eight and you had an additional one D eight fire damage. I, I don't get a second attack, so yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. What's but you know, add a fighter in there, maybe get that extra attack by fifth level and you are looking at, you know, uh, damage that does rival your cantrips, right? Finally, and more than that, I mean, you're you're if you as it takes level thirteen to get, but eight and cleric, five and fighter. Now you're getting multi attack, and each of those is going to do an additional one d eight of. It's only once damage. per turn. Oh, only it's only once, once per turn. But yeah. still, oh, okay, fair enough. It that evens out. Yeah, and then you still got spiritual weapon yeah. as well. I mean, that's that's some pretty good damage, and I don't think it. I mean, I I would agree that arcane archer. It's probably one of the few ones that I don't see really overlapping with this. Because like, I don't know why you let your girlfriend roll a dex cl uh, cleric. It always triggers me. Uh, I let my fiance roll a dex cleric. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, did she roll a dex cleric before? Or after? No, it was, it was after. Your... It was Wait. after. Uh, um, because she wanted to play a dex cleric, and I said, "All right, that's fine." There's literally no wrong options in D and D. You know how I feel about people doing things that aren't exactly my way. <laughs> because of this, though, I keep on thinking, like, man, I really wish. She had a high strength so she could multi-class into fighter because it's so easy. I mean, as a cleric, you're going to have a, a high strength normally or a high dex. One of them is going to be at least up there so you can get an AC and fighter cleric is is fun. Specifically, I was looking at the cavalier and life cleric domain and cavalier. I always I've kind of written it off for the most part because it sounds like, oh, I'm supposed to be on a horse, but it's actually kind of a support fighter. Uh, and a lot of what you do is around like buffing or not even so much buffing, but negating damage and kind of helping out your other players. You know, one of the, the first things that you get is this unwavering mark at third level uh, where you mark a creature when you hit it with a melee attack and it can only attack you or it gets disadvantage on its attack against somebody else. So I guess that's a weird way to put that, but basically it gets disadvantage on every creature that isn't you. So it's forcing you to focus it on you. And if it does attack something else and deals damage at all to anything else, then you get a free bonus attack, bonus action attack on your next turn against it. Which feels kind of, again, supporty. It's about protecting your other players. It's about keeping damage on you and, and keeping things focused towards you, uh, which is not something that many other uh, classes get. I think Ancestral Guardians do, right. the, the Barbarian subclass. But I still like that flavor with a life cleric. It feels very combat medic-y. Yeah, keep in mind, it's pretty limited. Mm -hmm. You could do it number of times equal your strength modifier. Correct. And That's still pretty good, though. a long rest. Right. And, but the um, the mark you can do as much as you want. It's that hit, that additional hit that you can only take oh, for strength. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, so the uh, so marking a creature is free. You can do that as many times as you want, and that's going to, uh, again, make it so that it gets disadvantage on everything but you. So you can really just single out a creature every single right. time. And as a life cleric slash fighter, you're probably going to have a pretty good AC there and just keep taking those hits for as long as you need to. This actually reminds me specifically back 
you know, because we have to talk about Saucy. But, <laughs> you know, as a Forge Cleric, you get plus two AC uh-huh. through various means. And I was sitting there, you know, with 22 AC most of the freaking campaign. Yeah. And either Kevin decided to roll his good dice and it didn't matter. <laughs> or the enemies just didn't attack me. And I was like, this is not as helpful as right. I had hoped. Right. Whereas having this. This, you don't really get an option. Mm-hmm. You know? I, nobody wants to hit the 23 AC guy. <laughs> no. <laughs> but is it better or worse than disadvantage? And some DMs are actually going to be a dick. I'm like, no, I'm going to take this advantage. Fuck you. You've got and a druid in the party. He's well, got 14 AC. Ha! Fine, great, sweet. You try and hit them, and maybe they succeed, yeah, and I'm, like, I'm gonna pummel you for it. So that's great, yeah. So I, I really like that idea. Say it's it's a great combat medic thing, and then at level seven it gets even better, where uh, they get warding maneuver. So if there's a creature within five feet of them uh, that is hit by an attack, you can roll a d8 as a reaction. If you're wielding a melee weapon or a shield, that die amount is added to the target's AC. And even if the attack still hits, they get resistance to all incoming damage. I mean, that's freaking yeah, amazing. That's really, really good. Yeah. And yeah. and on top of that, again, just like the the flavor with that that life cleric domain, I feel like is is really fitting. Yeah. Um, and if you want to be on a horse, fine. You know, <laughs> you a cleric be would horse. be on a horse very well. I, they, I don't see any reason against it. A lot of the uh, idea of the cavalier is that you'd be a melee horse guy, but like, right. the horse really helps for <laughs> running around and just like, you can't catch me and just blasting him until he's dead. Right. I do <laughs> love the name of that, though, as a combat horse guy or a melee <laughs> horse guy. Yeah, we got our guys who launch the pointy sticks. We got our guys with the sharp sticks. And we got the combat horse guys. <laughs> you mean archers, cavalry, and infantry? No, no. I, what I said was what I meant. <laughs> um, but they do get a lot of b- benefits to the, the riding mechanic. They have advantage on saving throws made to avoid falling off their mount, which I don't remember the exact rules around falling off your mount. Is it like when it takes a certain amount of damage? Does anyone remember that? You can try and make them fall off the mount. Okay, I, I don't remember. I don't remember. It's, I'm sure it's not important. You get advantage on something. That's cool. <laughs> um, and then if you fall and descend no more than 10 feet, you can land on your feet and not be incapacitated. Uh, also, mounting and dismounting only costs you five feet of movement rather than half your speed. That's really good. I mean, that's, again, it makes... Uh, mounted combat actually feel feasible instead of like something kind of silly that you're just waiting for your horse to die and then you're screwed for a turn. Yeah, it, mounted combat's a little bit weird. Like in the real world, it's just like totally just overpowered. Right. In this game, it's like, you know, this just makes it more feasible and you, if you have a horse, you got a horse. Right. You know, it's fun, fun time <laughs> yeah. for everybody around. Right. Yeah, you have to really build the entire character. Around the mounted combat. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's a feat, which helps. And then there's also a magic saddle, which helps a lot. I, oh. I remember really looking to it. I had uh, tried to play Beastmaster Ranger where he was a, uh, a halfly. Yeah, yeah, riding on a giant badger because the size category difference. I was really looking to make mounted combat work. And yeah, if you kind of get old of that, if you could get the DM to give you that magic saddle and you take the feats and kind of really spec around it, it, it can be decent. Unless that. it's like your medium and you're on a large creature, then you go into a dungeon. Mine mm-hmm. worked because I was on a badger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we could go through the dungeon. <laughs> Probably better, actually. Yeah, he's a badger. Oh, you can't fit. It's like, then nobody else in the party can fit. Right, right. <laughs> Smaller than the rest of these guys. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I've, I've kind of said it before, but just to, to reiterate, the life domain pairs very well with that cavalier idea of right. protecting your teammates. You're not going to need to 
use your buff spells on anything else like it I don't, I don't know that's kind of broad but like bless is still in play here you can go ahead and cast that give everybody uh their bless you've got your uh disciple of life which uh ramps up your healing spells makes them even better i feel like what's even better is that for a cleric fighter there's no hard limit to the levels that you're like yep that's where you should stop and if you're taking a level in that it's a waste you know because it just right. keeps getting better on both sides um and even a small dip i think not small dip sorry even just stopping at like level six for the um <clears throat> for the life domain which is when you get your blessed healer basically means when you heal somebody else you also get healed yourself that's a good place to stop but level seven gets you level four spells level eight gets you uh divine strike which is dealing that radiant damage um that we talked about earlier and then maybe from there you want to slow down because you don't need to just progress in spells and it's getting kind of tough to to choose one way or the other and it's just gonna be great you're just gonna have a good well-balanced character that that fits two specific niches and actually does them pretty all right you're not gonna be right. the best at damage you're not gonna be well you're you are gonna be the best at healing i mean that's right you're a life <laughs> cleric <laughs> who the hell else is in your party <laughs> right right and i mean you're not going to be using um you're not going to be using spells in the same way that our current life cleric is which is a lot of buffs and a lot of like prepping for things you're going to be using it for oh you went down here's a crap ton of healing and now you're back up and can actually take two hits instead of just one more and you're yo-yoing right this is uh another one other thing to note is this is a great example of a class where you aren't looking at a extra attack collision which right they're not good <clears throat> they don't feel good but it also super Meaning benefits melee. Two classes yeah. where they both get extra attack at fifth and go into fifth and both. This Maybe is a, a wasted level. This right. is a perfect thing to get an extra attack that is super, super meaningful. Mm -hmm. Right. So I <sighs> one more chance to get that divine strike or whatever it is at eighth level for you. Right. Um it it actually, as you've kind of said earlier, it rivals cantrips, which a lot of times mm -hmm. can be hard to do when you're like, okay, this is a you know a, a DC 17 save, and then they take 3d12 necrotic damage yeah i'm gonna use that <sighs> you know and this is that spell <laughs> ruined the game <laughs> you mean made it the greatest game ever oh, i can't wait to just cast toll every <laughs> every three minutes um so i mean yeah I, I think this is a great combo i i actually am kind of this is like going on my list of characters to play i, I really like this combo yeah, all right. Uh, you mentioned that great combo with the Cavalier because they like have to attack you. You know, it's like this also does like this wombo combo thing with the classic cleric combo of spiritual guardians and you know your spiritual weapon. Yep. You cast this. You've got fifteen feet of horrible flying holy hammers that all the enemies just go away. Just it's like I'm going to go find a different location to yeah. deal with this. Great. Well, you know if they've got disadvantage, you've got one of them at least. Attacks that are really going to hurt. It's it just sucks to fight this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas like my previous cleric, they, you just avoided the guy until right. he was disintegrated cruelly. <laughs> well, maybe by an you, uncaring uh, god. Maybe you should have been smarter and multiclassed into cavalier. Oh no, that would have saved me. <laughs> or a fighter got in, uh, indomitable. Oh, we could reroll saves. I'd only been able to reroll that save. Mm. I only had that second wind. It would have been a twenty. You know, it would have. <laughs> Which means it reflects back and kills him. <laughs> you don't get indomitable until ninth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's takes a, a while. That's a long way. Yeah, it would not really have helped my character. No, but this is uh, yeah. No, uh, I think the biggest reason that 
I personally avoided it is the spells of a cleric. We had not really done clerics before, and I like looked over their spell list but never thought about it. And then the farther I got, I was like, holy shit, there's some cool stuff. Oh, there. yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And you lose that when you multiclass to yeah. some extent. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of great cleric spells. Uh, none that I want to talk about because yeah, I have to I look them up. I can't but. <laughs> think of a single one, but... <laughs> you know, one off the top of my head um, that I'm just kind of looking at, and this is continuing on with Life Cleric, is the Guardian of Faith. Um, oh, yeah. Because our Life Cleric just hit 7th level, so they're always going to have this prepared. And I just, I love this spell. You just create a a big Guardian that just deals 60 damage. And I really appreciate that because it's like, it doesn't leave until you get, con- nope, no, no concentration. Sorry, that's... It just takes a long yep. time to cast. Does it? No, it's one action. Oh, yeah, you're right. Casting time on one action. When something comes near the Guardian, it has to make a dexterity saving throw. If it fails, it takes 20 radiant damage and half as much on a success. And the Guardian vanishes when it has dealt 60 damage. So you're guaranteeing that it does that 60 damage because even if it takes a couple more turns, it's going to do it. It, you know, if it takes six turns to do all of its damage, then great, it took six turns. But it's still there, and it's still doing that consistent damage. Yeah, right? the issue that runs into it is it is a stationary thing. Correct. Which is, we only ended up using that uh, on the boat where we knew we were getting attacked every night for a while. But it also has a range. So yes, let's, so let's say your, your buddy goes down, right? You can cast it from 30 feet away, putting this guardian around them, and now things are kind of warded off from it. And that's really nice. And, and yeah. again, if you're you're comboing up, it's I'm just going to keep playing into this. It's just such a combat medic role where you can protect areas. You've got some some um battlefield control with thing, things like this as well as um spiritual guardians is the other one where you can just kind of lock down areas uh and you also have a great way to get people back and you're still doing consistent and pretty good damage. All right, I'll get off of this, though, because it, it, I think that's all that needs to be said about the Cavalier Life Cleric. Somebody please play it. Any other combos here? Because I'm sure there's plenty. As I've mentioned already and will mention again, Cleric has the most domains. I think it's like 10 or something. It's out of this world. The, the, the thing lot. to point out is there's the obvious weaknesses. Ranged fighter makes a lot less sense than a melee fighter especially comboing with cleric mm-hmm. because and especially then then the cleric side is you've got your blast clerics that focus on spell casting those also make a little bit less sense with the fighter so the worst combo obviously would be a ranged fighter spell blaster because you're you just you're never going to use all your kit not if i go elder tonight no if I, <laughs> <laughs> fuck you <laughs> Don't multi-class with Eldritch Knight into a full caster. It doesn't feel good. <laughs> Take Eldritch Knight, man. Eldritch Knight's not bad. I was actually talking with um, our, our PC who's currently playing an Eldritch Knight because we leveled up to seventh. He gets a new spell and he's like looking through trying to figure out what to take. And I was like going through all the damage ones again. And I'm like, it's just not worth it. All of no. the damage you can do as an Eldritch Knight is just mitigated by the fact that everyone else is going to do a better job. So what he gets the benefit of is there are some second, third level spells that are actually worthwhile to cast, but as you level up as a full caster, feel like they're not worthwhile anymore. If you're going to concentrate on the spell as a seventh level caster druid, you're going to concentrate on a third level or a fourth level spell because that just makes the most sense. Whereas he is seventh level uh, Eldritch Knight 
yeah, casting darkness is fine because he's concentrating on a second level spell and that's the most he has anyways. You still want that darkness. Darkness is a great spell to have out, but are you going to really use that over, uh, what was that, call lightning? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the competition for your concentration scales horribly in your player's minds. Right. So, Fairy fire is like, it's a great spell, but it's, I feel like I could do more. You know? Right. Exactly. So having an Eldritch Knight is actually kind of nice for those, like, those spells that fit into that, like, they're good, but no, I'm never going to use that over my higher level one. Or concentrate on that. Because the, the concentration economy is not talked about too often, but I think it's a, a really important idea when you're talking about those high-level spells. Right. I like the the non... The... it's They almost... They, at first glance, seem like ribbons, but aren't, are the Elder's Knight weapon bonds. Oh, yeah. You look at it and like, oh, who cares? And then you're like, oh, wait, no, I can do tons of cool shit with this. And he does it like every single session. Yeah. He finds a way to do something either flavorful or mechanically viable. Yeah, I've been very happy with his his use of that, like bonding to throwing axes that do some additional force damage. He throws the axe, calls it back, throws it again. And it's like, yeah, that's that's a great idea. That's exactly what you should do with that. That's right. why I put a limit on the amount of uses he has on that. <laughs> who does that? <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> you weren't around for that because he no, he yeah. had those axes that are doing force damage. Um, is that a magic weapon again? It, it's it's the the axes that are used for the logging. Um, oh, like they have the yeah. sun gem stuff on it. He he's yeah. I won't get too into it, but I put a limit at like yeah that has twenty uses because uh, okay. otherwise he's going to use that all the time forever, and that's way too much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gotta rein it in a bit. <laughs> I am a dick DM. Every single time. Like, hey, here's something cool. But you only get a couple uses of it. Because I don't want to see you guys getting all smug on me. (laughs) It's more of that I want to see how it goes. You know, that way I can, like, say, okay, you know, that was way too powerful. Let's uh, let's reevaluate on the next magic weapon. (laughs) You can tell from... You can just so obviously tell this is learned from experience. Yes. <laughs> My very first campaign, what did I do? I gave our barbarian a plus two maul at three. like, it turned into a plus three. Oh. Let's get into that. Because um, he we went to White Plume Mountain and, right. <laughs> and he got the plus three Warhammer. But the plus two maul, I was like, how am I supposed to kill this guy? Like, it's literally not possible. And he was just one-shotting bosses because he was critting and it was ridiculous you guys kept hasting him stop hasting people (laughs) what Uh, yeah you like gave us all these tools and then you didn't like see the combo and then you did and you're like oh yeah fuck i ruined my own dungeon exactly my own dungeon (laughs) so yes i am very hesitant with magic weapons and just magic abilities in general because the more magic you give to people the more they're gonna find out and yes it can be cool, but then once you start ruining every combat, everyone looks around and they go, huh, uh, combat's not fun anymore. Can you fix that? And I'm like, no, because you all have magic items. That I flipping can't. pages. Like, <laughs> I don't have time to come up with more things that attack you. Stop it. Uh, the boss gets back up. He's full health. Fuck it. <laughs> oh, that's fine, because I still had a ton of use. No, I got this. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that crap had no chance. He didn't. Uh, all right. So what other combos do we got with Cleric Fighter? uh forge domain with almost any of the fighters forge yeah. works great. This, this this is the perfect example of how to armor up like crazy yeah so i mean forge clerics i know first level they get to just 
touch something and they can make it either plus one AC or plus one weapon. Mm-hmm. Right. And that does that make it it does make it magic as well. Yes. So that's a fantastic start at first level. I love right. that ability. That's so good. Even yeah, if you're not giving it to really yourself. One level dip. Yeah, which you're probably going to. And then Soul of Forge at six level, you just get another plus one to AC and resistance to fire damage. The resistance to fire damage, meh, you know, it might come up. And if so, you're happy about it. Yeah, but, I mean, fire damage does come up a lot. It does. Yeah. Uh, you skipped over the channel divinity. It's obviously not combat spell. <laughs> <laughs> but the one where you could um take like raw materials in, yeah. like for what I think an action or I don't remember how long it takes. Hour long ritual. Hour long ritual. Turn it into something of equal value. Uh-huh. I mean, that, that's useful. Yeah, I guess. It's but not a combat ability, but I mean, it came up a lot in Out of the Abyss. Did it? We he made, made a key once. Time. We made, and I wasn't even supposed to. I forgot we were level one. Oh, it was it was a level two thing? Yeah. But um, <laughs> I made like buckets. I made anytime we needed a thing, it was just like, I got it. Right. Yeah. It was not, we have to go find a store, which was super inconvenient in the horrifying cave <laughs> world that is the Underdark. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like that... The, only, the limitation is the 100 gold points. Though. Right. So you know. I forget, what was the ruling on like making plate out of that? Well, I, I well it has the cap of worth no more than 100 gold. Right, but I think we talked about like you can make a piece of plate armor and like, you know, oh. piece it together over and The idea days. was that if you took all these pieces, my skill in smithing would allow me to finish the thing. Right. Which made a lot of sense like thematically to me. Right. I can't argue it, to be honest. I, I yeah. feel like that's fair. Like, it's a forge cleric. If you tell them, no, you can't forge something, it's still costing them 1,500 gold, which yeah. I think is what plate costs. It's not going to be cheaper. It, it, might, it should be, actually. It I, should I might, be, but it's not. <laughs> I might go back on that. Or if somebody's like, okay, you know, I spent 1,200 on the materials. Sweet, it took you 12 days to make plate and still 1,200 gold, which should be a lot of money. And 12 right. days. Of, of doing this, or I guess at six level, a little bit less, but regardless, uh, it took you time and effort and money. Right. So, I mean, part of me wants to say that, yeah, that seems pretty reasonable to me. Yeah. Even if raw, there's some argument to it, because there definitely could be. Because, right. you you know, in as D&D thinks of it, it's like every single thing is just what its cost is. There's no, yeah, such, there's no thing. such thing as a helmet. Right, right. There's no such thing as one twelfth plate. Right. <laughs> they don't make that. <laughs> <laughs> it's one piece, man. <laughs> Get in, zip it up. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the ten minutes it takes to don the armor is actually just you finding the zipper. Oh, <laughs> it's stuck. Metal metal zippers are really really not a great idea, guys. <laughs> My solid steel onesie, you know. <laughs> oh man, I gotta go to the bathroom. This is gonna be bad. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, we said like any of the fighter classes, but uh, I think, you know, Battlemaster is one that's just hard to argue with at any fighter multi-class. And I feel like it's kind of the, it feels more of the generic fighter to me because it just pairs so well with everything. It's like, oh, you're a smart fighter. Perfect. You got it. Champion works very well with it as well, Mm. only because I like them crits. Yeah, the crits will actually pretty. They will scale quite nicely with your flame damage. If you were looking right. to stop at fifth level fighter, I could see just going into champion. So uh-huh. you get your your multi attack, you get your uh, improved criticals, and everything that you get in levels one and two of fighter, which we already talked about. And you're not going to feel like that's a wasted divergence from the cleric. 
unless you are really focused on, you know, upping your spell casting. But again, this makes it so you can do a lot more than spell casting. It also, this, this probably sounds very strange from someone who actually talks on a podcast about the mechanics of Dungeons and Dragons, but I don't really like thinking about <laughs> the mechanics of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> we, it's true to some extent is we have to drag you here every yeah. time we record, so. But I want a simple class. That's why I've always liked the champion. So like if I dip in champion, I just have to remember the number 19 means I get to roll more dice. <laughs> That's why I hate Battle Master. Everyone's like, oh, here's the math why Battle Master is better. And I'm like, la, la. I don't believe it. I just want to, I don't want to think about my maneuvers. I'm not a wizard. I hit stuff. <laughs> just give me my crits, man. And that, they redid Champion as Brute, essentially. They never admitted it. But mechanically <laughs> speaking, Champion's kind of garbage, especially later levels. And then Brute is just like more damage instead. So, yeah, right. that's it's still the, UA, the UA though, yeah. but it is an admission that champion like has a bunch of just like dumb stuff in it that nobody wants. I mean, it's it's mostly just that it's like not that powerful. Like it's it's third level improved critical. Yes, that's nice, but you know, only on a roll of nineteen. Yeah, you, you look know, at the numbers right? and you're like, oh, I guess that isn't really that nice, right? Like, it doesn't have five percent of the time more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and like crits aren't guaranteed to be crazy. No. It's exactly ones, what I mean, you yeah. say. It's it's five percent better. It's also twice as good. But one of them, you're like, wait, it's not actually good, right? Twice right. doesn't mean anything in this situation, right? Right. You have a one percent chance to contact your deity and have them help you, and we're gonna double that for free. What? It's <laughs> incredible. I can talk to him all that. Wait, no, I can't. Can I? <laughs> oh, it's more that the the seventh level remarkable athlete. You can add your proficiency bonus to any strength, dexterity, or constitution check. Half. Your proficiency. Thank you. You're going to half your proficiency bonus round up. I was worried it was going to be too powerful, Kevin, so thank you for that clarification. (laughs) Any strength, dex, con check you make that doesn't already use your proficiency bonus. That doesn't already use your proficiency bonus. I am a champion. I already have uh, proficiency in athletics, so I don't care if you can let me get half my proficiency bonus in addition. Compared to like the Eldritch Knight even, where you can now cast a cantrip and then make an attack as a bonus action. It's like, that is so much more powerful than just, oh, yeah, you're better at checks. Well, you know, that third level ability of critting on 19s and 20s is just too strong for us to give you a good seventh level ability. Right. And that remarkable athlete is just a crappy version of Jack of All Trades, which you get at level two as Bard, I think. Right. Might even be level one, but yeah, really early on a Bard. Yeah, it's pretty early. So, I I don't, yeah, like you look at all these things, most things are fairly even- on their like level subclass stuff, but this is probably the most glaring example of just what the hell was the idea? <laughs> right. behind Who looked at that and said, "That's all we need." It's bad. Yeah. Like, what situations call for this? So I will say, like, Battlemaster's seventh level ability isn't too great either. Uh, that's the that one, one. That's know your enemy. So starting at oh, seventh okay. level, you spend at least one minute observing or interacting with another creature outside of combat. You can learn certain information about its capabilities compared to your own. So you can know if it's better at two of the following characteristics. Uh, is its strength better or worse than mine? Is its dex better or worse than mine? Con yeah, score, yeah, AC, yeah, yeah. HP, total class levels. How is that even helpful? <laughs> Don't put that on the list. Give me resistances. Give me its like... Uh, immunities, maybe like odd class features. Whatever is it working with the exactly. Nagpa? What's that? Say that's exactly the Monster Hunter 
ability. Yeah, you're right. I, I mean, pretty much identical is what you just said. Right. Then. Yeah. Which is actually worthwhile. Yeah, that's, that's, that's nice. <laughs> Specifically, one of them is fighter class levels, if any. No, fuck you. Give me that for free. Because <laughs> that's really specific. What if, like, you just you choose two of those and you're like, all right, what's its strength score? Uh, its strength is worse than yours. And you're like, okay, I've got a 20 strength. I kind of expected that. We got this, <laughs> okay, guys. All right, all right, all right. How many fighter levels does it have? Um, yeah, it doesn't have any any class levels at all. Hmm, that pointy hat probably should have given me that. <laughs> you know that old man with that huge beard and pointy hat? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but like, I bet he's super dexterous, right? <laughs> no, he is also less dexterous than you. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't get it. The only one that I could see being worthwhile is current hit points. But that just feels more metagamey than anything. Yeah. Right. And then armor class, which I feel like I would also give to them if they were wearing armor. I'd say they're wearing plate armor. You would recognize that. And then everyone at the table goes, yes, I about know how hard it is to hit plate armor. Right. I think it's about 18 hard. <laughs> <laughs> so I will say that it does compare to the champion where both level seven abilities are garbage. I think the Eldritch Knights was actually trying to... Uh, to, to ramp it up a little bit. Make up for right. the yeah. fact that they're terrible spellcasters. To yeah. Be honest. Yeah. And then with the champion, even at level 10, the additional fighting style, which initially sounds great. 95% of the time, it comes out to you, hey, get plus one AC at level 10. Yep. Because if you look at, try, if you try and think through, if you're right, I'm making a fighter and they're a champion's classic fighter. All right, a big heavy armored guy with a two-handed weapon. At level one, I'm taking great weapon fighter. Great, that, that's awesome. Yep. Then at level 10, archery, no, nah, that's not going to work. Dueling, no, that doesn't fit. Protection, I don't have a shield. Two up and fighting, no. Okay, defense. Yep. So this is actually <laughs> somehow getting back on topic. A great <laughs> example. That's not allowed. A great example of the sword and board fighter is not common or popular because it's super not fun and not really mechanically all that good. But the sword and board cleric or mason board cleric is is dictated by gods <laughs> is just like the default. So you're looking at, if you're holding a one handed weapon and a shield, you've got a lot of options in the fighting styles that make a lot of sense. Now you've got your protection, you've got dueling and you've got the defense. Okay. All of those yeah, are totally viable. Yeah. But as just a pure fighter, it doesn't make sense. You're right. Right. So this is a great example. If you do go 10 and uh, champion or whatever gets you additional fighting styles, that's Tactic. a bonus. It's a far way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. When, when you're definitely going to be better off taking either great weapon fighting or dueling, depending on how you want to do it. Like if you want the, the shield and then uh, a one-handed melee weapon with your mace, uh, then yeah, sure, go with the dueling. Otherwise, I mean, yeah, just 10th level seems a little far to just go for a plus one AC. Eh. No, right? No, man. No, you all about so? that AC. Oh my god! I guess I, I get. I think really the only common thing that would give you a choice at that is the sword and board. Yeah, because like, you know, great for yeah, you took so like protection at level one, and it's like, all right, do I want plus one AC or do I want dueling where I do plus two my damage? Exciting choices. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, if you're archery, it's like again, dueling, gray weapon fighting, protection, two weapon fighting doesn't work. If you're two weapon fighting, archery, dueling, gray weapon fighting, protection doesn't <laughs> yeah. work. I mean. <laughs> They interfere with each other. The only thing yeah. is sword and board. Yeah, yep. that's the only one that gives you a choice, and you have two options. I can see going all the way to 10th level as a in-fighter with cleric. You know, that's... Okay, so to, um, to, to fight against that fighting style thing, <laughs> Will's fighting style is contrarian. Uh, sorry, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jeff, I okay. know where you're going. Was, click yeah. for me, too. Yeah. <laughs> you get the credit, say it. Okay. Um, so uh, when you're completely throwing out 
the mechanics of it, you can still actually benefit from taking two different fighting styles. Maybe you are your party's lacking in ranged ability, and at 10th level you realize yeah. that. Well, great, you can now go ahead and get archery, and sh you, maybe you took your fighting style as uh, defense or whatever it is, the harmy, heavy armor one. What the heck is Plus that called? Defense. 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 It, that's way safe. too yeah. simple for me to forget. Um, <laughs> they even said it. I know. <laughs> so you you know you start off with that plus one AC, and then you use that tenth level to kind of figure out like what is my party missing, and you can now really pivot your style or improve upon it. Where right. maybe you have again, it's throwing out that idea of being one hundred percent mechanically perfect. Uh, so right. no, you're you're not using your your feet of great weapon master every single turn anymore because you might be using archery instead, but you're still getting something out of that. It's still good. Right. It adds versatility. You right. Put your melee weapon down and start hitting things with a bow because you also took archery and you do it based on the situation. Or maybe you got a magic even, bow. I mean, I wouldn't even go as far to say it's no longer mechanically viable. No. Versatility is always good. Right. Yeah. And yeah, say maybe you got a magic weapon that uh, fits a different play style and you're like, huh, well, I guess I could kind of round myself out even more or right. play to that magic weapon now and again still get something out of it so yeah i mean yes i think most of the time we're going to look at it and go all right so defense and what else right. uh but there's a lot of reasons why you might get something else and i i think we should make a uh a character that specifically gets every single fighting style so like what else gets fighting styles rangers get fighting styles paladins right. get fighting styles so just multi-class <laughs> all of them yeah. <laughs> so it's like okay so defense at this level then go up to 10th level champion get my second one dip into ranger all right get a a third one dip into paladin get a fourth does anything else get a fighting style Ooh, i think mm, doesn't a certain subclass a bard yeah, oh the sword one yeah you College can get two weapon fighting you have to get that, it for yeah. six level so you can get five no third i think I don't. I don't know. Yeah, it's right uh, out of the gate with it. <laughs> so, so your twentieth level quadruple quintuple. I where we're, quint. where even are we? We're at five. We're five. Well, you got them all. That unlocks no, something. No, you're still. No, that still unlocks something. <laughs> it unlocks the sixth one because you know what? Good on you for just going for fighting styles. I guess. Yeah, and there the other thing to remember is uh, their options are limited. They do not have as many fighting styles. So I feel like gotta, that should be a half feat. A half feet. Yeah, like plus one to either strength or dex, and then one of the oh, other fighting styles. Maybe a full feet. I don't know. Is that? No, I don't think it can't is. Be. That's too good. We'd take that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I feel like that would be maybe a full feet. I don't. I don't know what determines a feet versus a half feet. I feel like it's all over the place. But <laughs> no, they have an incredibly balanced system. If you look at the feats, they all seem equally viable. Huh, they, I've never seen like. Anybody say, I like Polar Master better than Tavern Brawler. <laughs> They're both equally incredible. You love your Tavern Brawler. Yeah, it's great. Um, fighting people in bars is great. I feel like I could see doing that, giving a, a fighting style as a feat, just because like maybe it, it fits how your character has changed or something. There are like mechanics yeah. in the DMGs, like, but it is really, really targeting anything after 20th level. Yeah. You know. That's what makes it hard. Like, I want to reward those types of things, but it's like, you know what the best reward is? Another level. So, here you go. And I know that's not going to break anything, so. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. This game is just so balanced all <laughs> the time. It's always teetering. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, I mean, beyond that, with, like, cleric domains, we got Forge, we got Life. Are there any bad ones? 
knowledge, maybe really any of the ones I think that give you the eighth level cantrip boost. Right. Are like going to be a, right. Those are going to feel a little bit wasted. What does death do? Light. Kill that's, stuff. Man. That's 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 the DMG one. The, the kind of is it one more grave domains the normal one grave yeah. is the normal one yeah grave is the i'm the uh protector of the border between life and death death is okay that's a cantrip I, one yeah. Ooh, spooky light lights is a uh, cantrip one as yeah. well okay all right lights big on like fire damage yeah right like pretty that. much which makes sense tempest is tempest is also a melee one. tempest would be okay. really cool yeah yeah, I mean, that's just... Kind of thunder-focused fighter. Yeah. Lightning-focused fighter. Yeah, that'd be neat. That's basically how I tried to play the Tempest Cleric that I did play forever ago. It was like, oh, I really like the melee aspect. And it's like, oh, but you should learn the entire Cleric spell list. And I'm like, ah, I just want to hit stuff and do lightning damage. Yeah, Probably not the best <laughs> was choice. Was that your first character? Second. Okay. <laughs> yeah, first one was a monk, Way of the Four Elements. Right. <laughs> Roz chose it for me. Yeah. <laughs> Which, in his defense, you guys had been playing 5e for like... How many months? Not that long, yeah, man. it was relatively new. I had fun with it. Yeah, because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> Did you have fun, Jared? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? He was kind of garbage. <laughs> that was not a great game. I remember trying to use water whip like thirty times. Yeah, and every yeah. time I was like, no, it's not actually. It's not going to do anything. <laughs> that was one of those things. Where like, well, at least it's got water whip, and they're like, uh, we need to make a clarification. Um, <laughs> uh, trickery. Eh, I mean, yeah, that, their little a, duplicity thing actually does kind of work here. How is that? I don't know. Invoke duplicity of the channel and divinity. Semi melee ish. Create a perfect illusion. Lasts for minutes. It's concentration. I really hate that part. Yeah, appears within an occupied space of thirty feet as a bonus action. You can move the illusion up to thirty feet. Must remain one hundred twenty feet. For the duration, you can cast spells as though you're in the illusion space. Not concentration ones, right? <laughs> Additionally, when both you and your illusion are within five feet of a creature that can see the illusion, you have an advantage on attack rolls. So that makes a little bit more sense if you're hitting stuff. Yeah. I guess. I wish there was more to it, though, where like you like things had disadvantage against hitting you or worked like that one spell image. Thank you. Mirror image where it's like, yeah, they have a chance of hitting your duplicate instead. Right. Which used in conjunction with this is pretty cool. But maybe mirror image is a concentration spell. They, it's they not. actually... Oh, it's not? Okay. It's not. That's why it's so fucking good. Okay. Yeah, they can is. turn invisible as a channel divinity as well. And I, it, Yeah, uh, it's as an action, but it's until the end of your next turn. So you uh, can kind of pummel a guy with that. Oh, not oh, even okay. if you make an attack. No, you become visible if you attack. Oh. So uh, that's During one of those, those next sentences, they always ruin everything. <laughs> and that's one of those... They didn't... I think we now are clear that that means you don't get to get advantage on it. No. What do you mean? You become visible if you attack. Is that before or after? It's when it's after the attack. It's after the attack. Yeah, so I think you would have advantage on one attack. It's it's not very good, especially compared to the other one, which gives you advantage on all your attacks. Yeah. So Do we want to reiterate our entire invisibility conversation? No, I don't want to reiterate that. (laughs) I feel like that was really helpful for me. That was incredibly helpful. So, I mean, it's kind of (laughs) useful. So what did we determine? Basically that if when you cannot you see somebody if they're invisible. End of conversation. Correct. You cannot see them, but and you can perceive them through their movements. So if somebody were to turn invisible and stand completely still, you still know where they're at. And if they try to hide, they have advantage and you have disadvantage to find them. No, you don't necessarily know where they're at. They don't move. 
You don't know that they didn't move. <laughs> but you would. No. Oh, man. You're trying to make it complicated. Why would you know that? Because you... Because you heard them in the midst of combat? Because you saw their footprints on the completely clean slate floor? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Because you're hearing their breathing because they're not trying to slow it. They're still pumped and in combat. Well, I so, took a couple levels in Shadow Sorcerer and I don't breathe. Oh, okay. Yeah, you win. <laughs> <laughs> Owned. <laughs> so yeah i could see uh trickster cleric actually working out pretty and they well. do have the divine strike so yeah I, I always kind of view that one as like a it's it feels like a dex cleric because there's so much stealth stuff involved but it can kind of make you less shitty at wearing uh heavy armor which is a bit of a benefit and you can still keep the the trickster idea uh flavor wise i don't think that works extremely well with fighter not for like any huge reason other than it just feels a bit weird yeah you've got that kind of rogue feeling to it yeah or just like oh i worship a trickster god and also i uh, i like fighting like i don't feel like the the overlap where like a, a lightning god it's like oh yeah i get yeah, it hit yeah. him with the mace right yeah, yeah go for it <laughs> Your god's just always like peeking out of the clouds yeah bash him get him are you gonna help no this is dope <laughs> <laughs> so fucking cool man <laughs> don't uh, you have better things to do guy <laughs> Lost all the rest of mine because I kept encouraging them to go to bigger and bigger <laughs> battles. And they just, you know, they got torn to shreds. They challenge ratings and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, you can totally take this ancient brass dragon. <laughs> Fuck him up. I swear I'll help. I'll totally help. Oh, oh, sorry. You oh, he got eaten. Oh, 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 the paralyzing breath. You're done. You're done. Shit. I got to get a new one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. what bro Thor. <laughs> So, yeah, I will reiterate that the trickster domain, I don't really see it. I wouldn't, like, be totally against it. I'm sure there's some reasonable way to, to play it. It just doesn't scream out to me the same way that Tempest domain or Forge domain does. Right. Uh, moving on to War Cleric, which is not a great one for some reasons, but you do have some decent stuff here that actually does work with that. Um, the war priest thing where you can make a bonus action attack when you attack. If you're not using your bonus action as a fighter, that's suddenly three attacks. If you take right. two attack. And if you're champion, that can kind of work out well. Battlemaster, you probably have, well, maybe not every time, but you've got mm, a bit better of an option. Mm -hmm. I just hate the fact that it's limited to your wisdom modifier. And yeah, we set that a long rest, not even right. a short rest. So it's like, oh, every once in a while I get an extra attack. It's like, just cast spiritual weapon. Right. Why would you waste your time? If you have a DM who properly uses your resources, I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, the the biggest issue with War Domain, and I don't know if we've talked about this, we probably have, is both of their channel divinities involve giving someone plus 10 to an attack, which is just unbelievably useful. Yeah. You might as well be giving them plus 100 to an attack. <laughs> it doesn't friggin' matter. Like I, Unless they roll a one. Unless, <laughs> oh, you get a plus 100. Oh, one. It's just the armor class thing, the way that we do this, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make you very powerful. The damage is still the same. You get a more likely hit. Right. Right. Making something more likely right. to hit is like, it's really not that big of a deal. You might have, at the end of the day, you might be helping like a little bit where if you... Let's say you got plus 10 to it and you rolled a five and you've got plus six. Okay, well, is it 21? It's like, well, their AC was 15. So did I need right. that? Did and it really matter? Yeah, it's one hit. Right. 
Yeah. Like the only maybe paladin is like what would really benefit mm-hmm. from that. Desperate so if you're if you're a war domain and you have a paladin using a two handed weapon with a great weapon fighter um feeding thing minus five and then they smite on it. Right. It's like okay, that's a one big hit. Right. Yeah, that and sharpshooter. Anything where you're like, we need to hit this one last time. That's one instance of damage. You know what I'd rather, though? And as as a paladin, I'd rather advantage, because that's two chances to get a 20 now. Right. You know, it's sure it's only a plus five, but you're doubling the chance of getting a 20. That's more important than doubling or tripling the chance to hit once. No, I totally agree with that. Right. Yeah. And And the capstone also sucks. Yeah. I, I just really don't like War Cleric that much. It's not that good. I feel like Forge Cleric does it better yeah, for no. no reason. Yep. Absolutely universally true. Yeah. Uh, spells? Eh, no. No spells? No. For War Cleric? Yeah, you can't cast spells for War Cleric. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, that, that seems like an oversight. <laughs> but no, like their, uh, their spells are just okay. I don't know. Nothing that's like blowing my mind. Right. Yeah, Divine Favor, Shield of Faith, Magic Weapon. I spirits? think some of these are no, you, but you spirit only guardians, just yeah. always have spirit right. guardians. That's an extra prepared slot, but who cares? I always prepared spirit guardians. Right. I think these are some of these are. I think they're paladin spells, but um, maybe Crusaders shield of faith. Mental? It might be shield of faith's good. I like, guess I know I have access to it on my paladin, but yeah, it's, it's cleric all... paladin, and then yeah, shield paladin. of faith is kind of like what I was talking about with the the eldritch knight, though, where once you get like better spells like i'm not gonna waste my concentration on a a plus two ac that's not worth it but yeah the crusader's mantle is a paladin exclusive spell that is third level so that is like a big investment you get it as a cleric at fifth level okay that's that's kind of big but it sucks yeah what is i don't know you create a concentration radius for a minute where everybody Deals an extra 1d4 radiant damage it's when they hit with a weapon attack. like blessed to damage. Oh, I've heard of that one. Yeah. yeah, that, it can be good with the right Monk. setup. I guess that's like the war domain. Or like if you're working with like a PC that summons. That, yeah. They, all the summons would get that too. Yeah. But I think or like, uh, my like, army or of like, zombies uh, now fucking punches with radiant damage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of cool. Yeah, oh, that's, like, that's a cool combo. You have the necromancer wizard and the war domain cleric. He's like um, high-fiving and then right. just <laughs> zombies with holy fists. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you get someone to cast uh, animate objects and they do like the 10 tiny objects or whatever. Is that considered yeah. a weapon attack or a spell attack? Uh, don't it uses your oh, spell attack. It says, I think that it is says, a spell attack. It says radiant damage when it hits with a weapon attack. So I don't know what that counts as for animate objects. Oh. So that probably doesn't count. See, these are the dumb conversations we get into. Like, oh, would would Crusader's mantle work with animate object? Does anybody care? <laughs> <laughs> I really care. <laughs> it sounds cool as hell. If somebody brings this to your table, don't look into it. Just do it. Just yeah. let them. It. It's it's one d four, man. Well, it's ten d four when it's animate. That's objects. still not great. <laughs> That's still twenty average. That's. <laughs> That's kind of a lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, on top of whatever it's doing, which I think is actually might be a D4 as well, yeah. and it's the tiny. That's your tiny. I thought I was going to say how many I get. That's going to make me read it. <laughs> We're going to time skip. Boop. You said boop before the time skip. <laughs> <laughs> is it a weapon attack? God damn. 
<laughs> I was gonna edit it all fancy so no one knew. Oh, they've uh, ruined it. I can't edit this out now, of course. Mm. The laws of the universe have locked it in place. What if I make a boop? Boop. Yeah, you booped. <laughs> Choose up to yeah, ten non-magical objects within the range. Medium targets count as two. So yeah, you can get ten tiny or small. Okay. As a bonus action, you can mentally command any creature you made with a spell. If the creature is within 500 feet of you, if you control multiple, you can command all of them. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, you decide what action the creature will take and where it will move during the next turn. Or you can issue a general command, such as guard a particular chamber or a corridor. What's he reading? Is this an animate object? Yeah. Huh. If you issue no commands, the creature only defends itself against hostile creatures. Once given an order, the creature continues to follow it until a task is complete. Have we ever and, used it for this? I feel like we always use it for making little objects to throw at people. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, that's exactly what. Yeah, it's like you, let's say, a lot of times we'll do tiny or small. And so here's like 10 stones. Right. And then they fly around and we tell, all right, you 10 stones, go attack that thing. And they go, boom, 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 boom. You just said a creature, it. though. Is it, it makes it a creature. Weird. So I guess that might be a weapon attack. Yeah, like then one. it's like animate objects, statistics, tiny HP of 20, AC of the, 18. Strength four, and its attack is plus eight to hit, and it is one d four plus four damage. I that might count, I guess. Oh, oh there's more. Oh, <laughs> we're we're gonna end probably end up cutting most of this, but command an object to attack. It can make a single melee attack against a creature within five feet of it. It makes a slam attack with an attack bonus and bludgeoning damage determined by its size. The GM might roll that a specific object and inflict slashing and piercing damage based on its form. Okay, so you just carry ten daggers around. That's a weapon attack. Okay. Kind of is, yeah. It is it's literally a weapon attacking someone. Is it supposed to make ten of these? Is it make ten creatures? So what it does is it says <clears throat> it, it was a really weird way to phrase it, but choose up to ten non-magical objects within range that are not being worn or carried. Medium targets count as two, large count targets count as four, huge count as eight. Okay. So it's it was I feel like there could have been a better way to phrase that, but Okay. But each individual one yeah. does its damage. Yeah, so you could do ten small. Okay. Which have a plus six to hit, and each one does one d eight plus two, and it makes a melee weapon attack, meaning that each of them get the Crusader's mantle. What's this? Is just a melee attack? It depends on what you animate. It says with a weapon attack, not a melee attack. No, no, in Crusader's that's... mantle. Yeah, Crusader's mantle specifically says when it hits with a weapon attack. Yeah, and this says it can make a single <laughs> melee attack against a creature within five feet, and it's a slam attack. But the GM might decide to make it different if it makes sense. Like just if you an- animate daggers, yeah, say. <laughs> <laughs> or you animate like a couple like medium sized statues that right. are like you know posed there of swords and right. head. like that's gonna. Where do would it. you get yeah. those? <laughs> just are like, you kidding me? Hair, carrying those around? No, like, I gave Kevin's character embers a bunch of them. He's got a bunch of medium statues. Okay, you're right. They're tiny, but, but they, still... they could like yeah run up with their like their little things. Like, Actually, yeah. that dagger's making a slam attack. That <laughs> <laughs> no, I see. It's more like you're in like an old temple and there's statues all over the walls and you boom animate. That's kind of the cool moment of it. Like, I guess like, that's mecha- cool. Mechanically, it works out where it's like, do the tiny or small things. They like, mm-hmm. fly around. Throw and pebbles things. in the air. That's yeah. The, the but like the really out. cool thing is like you could do with this up to huge. Mm-hmm. So you, you find this massive statue of like a giant or something or like a statue of a dragon and you animate it and have it fight for you. Yeah. I mean, that's cool shit. For sure. For sure. And letting it do 1d4 additional holy damage. Yeah, but the huge isn't a big deal, right? No. no, but when it's 10 small things, it is. Yeah. Your bag of daggers would be great. Yeah. Bag of daggers. Anyways, <laughs> where were we on this? <laughs> the war cleric's made, not yeah. very good. War cleric's not that good. It doesn't get better if you multi class into fighter. No. 
Well, it does, but it doesn't matter. Do something else. Yeah. There's always better things to do when you're multi-classing into fighter. This is uh, this is a great example though of uh, like min-maxing your AC though, and I like that. And I regret not having 23 AC. You could have gotten 23. Yeah, and if Kevin gave me magic, uh, like a magic shield, it would have just gotten out of hand. Like a plus three magic shield. <laughs> yes, that would have gotten out of hand. God. I think the point is that it stays in your hand. Oh, you don't drop Ooh, the shield. Yeah, I considered making a pun and. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I would have gotten on hand because I would have taken it from your hand so you don't have it. Ooh, and it's like, no, that's a really no, lame pun. Don't worry. That would have been you mean, yeah. too. I would have been so happy. And then you're like, ah, no. Erase <laughs> that DC. No, down, down, down. down. <laughs> Give you a plus three shield for two encounters and take it away. <laughs> Doesn't attack me once. Thanks, buddy. Mean. Too mean. Ah, well. All right. Uh, so I think that's everything around the cleric fighter. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to move on. I like this one, though. I will say, yeah. I think this is, you've got a lot here. Um, it's, I don't know. I, I, it's great. I want to play it. I want to play this really bad. Somebody, please DM for me. Let me play a PC. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but you have to be a monk paladin. No! <laughs> Twilight. <laughs> what monk subclass? What is it, the Sun Soul? Sun Soul. <laughs> no. no. Yeah, I don't think you can smite with those, she said. No. Uh, no. All right. So, uh, moving on into our promotional bit. So, uh, if you have not, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you can through podcast apps, on our subreddit, which is our monsters and multiclass. Follow us on Twitter, which is uh, monsters underscore multi. Um, share us with our friends, with our friends, with your friends, <laughs> please. Our friends don't listen to it. It's really frustrating. They really don't though. <laughs> like unironically. I mean, I don't really blame them. It's, it's okay. It's a very niche thing. We don't really push it on them. I know. I know. It's, it's yeah. okay. It's all right, Kevin. I listen to it. <laughs> Anyways, share us with your friends because we all have self-esteem issues. Um, and more than anything, it's fun to make these and we want to keep making them. And if we stop getting people listening, then we'd stop making them. Right. Is that like a hostile threat? Like, oh, you better share this with your friends or we're going to stop making these. I feel like it's just more of like how these things work. Right. Um, would we though? Would we stop making them? I don't know. I don't know. I don't like a threshold. I mean, it's not like we're like making money. It's like, oh, if we drop below a certain number of viewer listeners, we lose our sponsorship. Yeah. I mean, I just. I guess I'd just be sad. You pick uh, yeah. me up, I show up and tell you why you should roll a warlock. <laughs> I'm a simple guy. <laughs> well, either way, we appreciate it. Yes. Yeah, cool. So let's go ahead and move on to our monster of the week, which is the Morkoth. This episode, we will be going over the Morkoth, a horrifying aberration. It's part squid, part shell, part crazy deity that died however many years ago. Uh, it tends to create its own spooky dreamscape island of nonsense and gather junk. Bent on evil and getting stuff, your characters might end up trying to find this guy to get something he's got, but uh, all he cares about is collecting junk and killing people so what do we got for the morkoth guys one of the things that instantly drew me to this uh being <clears throat> is the fact that uh it can kind of just like make an island of nonsense uh which a lot of times in D, &D it, it feels like it's on the dm to make things feel a little bit justifiable like oh why is this 
room have 60 foot halls underground and I have to go oh well you know it was the wizard wanted to make it filled with traps and make it hard to traverse and they're like he had to walk this every day that's ridiculous whereas if you're dealing with the Morkoth you can just go yeah it's just the Morkoth you know just weird stuff happens so he's like that man (laughs) yeah it's like why are there dinosaurs on this island it's like yeah because the Morkoth wanted there to be dinosaurs and that's just kind of where it where it wound up um they they have this ability to just make a weird a weird island filled with weird stuff. It just, it doesn't need to make sense, uh, which you, you don't really get away with many times in D and D. Yeah. I, I'll say that the lore is almost a little hand wavy in the sense that it's just like, what are you kidding at? But it kind of reminded me of the oblivion Island of the God of God of madness. And everything was just weird in color. And there's like barrels floating in the sky. It's like, why? It's owned by a guy who's a god and crazy. <laughs> I don't have to explain shit. <laughs> right, right. And that's kind of nice. And I think there's tons of just miscellaneous setup for how it can get used. Uh, you gave one example that I think is probably the most obvious of this thing collects junk. So what else are you going to do besides have them uh, have it? Like, oh, yeah, we need to get this MacGuffin and it is on that island. But that's the Morkoth Island. So watch out. It's going to be a bad time. Uh, and then the players go there and whatever the DM just comes up with, whatever wacky, zany adventure they want to throw the PCs down, you now have a perfectly good in as well as a great boss to to cap it off on. The lore itself is kind of extensive, but I agree, somewhat hand-wavy. It's it's a little bit like all aberrations, where it's just like, some weird stuff once happened, and now, yeah, you just get more cots, you know? What, what can I say, you know? <laughs> Why is he the squid? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it has its spawned by a god, which is uh, long ago a deity of greed and strife perished in the battles among the immortals. Its body drifted through the astral plane, eventually becoming a petrified husk. This corpse floated up against a pearlescent remnant of celestial matter imbued with life and life-giving magic. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> so <laughs> this is this is horrible for if you visualize this extensively, you like have to picture it floating up through a layer of like I don't know, magical pearly goo and okay. then coalescing into a squid monster that collects barrels. <laughs> That's what I No, no, no. When it does that, there was an explosion. Right. Out okay. of chaotic energy and out of it, these islands formed as they got just like strewn across the cosmos. Okay. So then all of them just have yeah, a more cosmos. With some of them, a vein of pearl like material held a bit of the deity's. Deities rejuvenated supernatural vitality, which spontaneously created a hab- habitable environment. On those same islands, bits of the gods' petrified flesh came back to life in the forms of tentacled monstrosities, bringing enough malice and greed. Yeah. So, so that's... It does. It, it makes sense. I can like, visualize it, but no, it kind of doesn't. Right. <laughs> I feel like this, this pearl-like material that keeps getting brought up is just like... Uh, a something it, it doesn't have like any type of anything to it they didn't name it for a reason because it's just I, I don't know it's just this I material think this is the astral plane though that's what it's trying it is, to say yeah. yeah it's like oh a piece well, of the I astral mean plane. it's just like the general concept of the astral plane's like I don't know what's going on <laughs> why is there a string on my back <laughs> what's that huge monster oh no is the astral dreadnought yeah. oh it's a good one it's a good one he looks uh, like that other guy I met the regular dreadnought <laughs> <laughs> that's a callback right there <laughs> i think that's episode zero 
No, that was the Bone Claw. We did the Astral Dreadnought. No, I know. No, I don't think we did. It came up in conversation. No, we did the Astral Dreadnought, man. We totally did. I'm not going to try and remember things I talked about a year ago, but I will say that the regular Dreadnought was mentioned in an episode. Yeah, I thought it was zero, but which one got released, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, regular Dreadnought. Uh, It's if you wanted to fight an Astral Dreadnought. It was when we talked about the Astral Dreadnought. And we like no, we, we, we never had an Astral Dreadnought episode. <laughs> yes, we did. We, we totally. didn't. Oh, we didn't. I'm, I'm looking at our list right now. It was really, really early on, right? Like, yeah. one we of the talk first few. Grey Render, Star Spawn, Yoklo, All Black Nightwalker, Neothalid, Neogi, Nagpa, Zaratan, Nilbog. The Christmas episode. I mean, it would have been way before that. Huh. Weird. It was like, yeah, it was a little side tangent. We can just uh, chalk that up to Lost episode. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mythical lost Bam, episode. Lord. Anyways, on to this episode. <laughs> we still don't understand the astral plane. No, it doesn't fully make sense, and that's kind of the point, I guess. Um, but it just, I don't know, it's doing a lot of, as you said, hand-waving, where it's like, okay, so there was this thing that floated through the astral plane and gathered some pearlescent goo, and then there was an explosion, and now there's islands everywhere, and on those islands, a couple of them had this pearl-like substance, which may be from the astral plane, I guess we didn't really specify, and because of that, it's habitable, and there's a Morkoth. Where did the Morkoth come from? Also the pearls? Also, oh, uh, his petrified flesh turned no, into a spin monster. Within some of them, a vein of pearl-like material held a bit of the deity's rejuvenated vitality, which made it a habitable environment. You saying it doesn't make it sound any less crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what is a D&D monster that has its lore, like it's how it came about in it, that's not like just some silly sounding thing? This is probably <laughs> the bone claw. <laughs> the bone claw. Uh, this is probably the like outer limits of wow. Yeah. What a weird thing. Right. There's just a lot of like, and then a really weird thing happened, and then it like just kind of spirals from there. Yeah. Like the the islands. Like what? What do you mean? There's islands out there that like are actually habitable islands. Yeah, there's uh, there's just like these habitable tropical islands floating through like wherever the fuck right. they want to be. The cosmos, the multiverse. Even yeah. it's not even like the least bit specific. Which is that's actually an interesting environment, and the lore might not be very good, but like floating tropical islands. No, I totally agree. The the fact cool. that it's there, I like. I like the fact that you can make that as a a story element where it's like, oh, we need to get this thing, and it's on this floating rock that circles the planet, and every six years it'll come by, right. and tomorrow's the day, so, oh, everything worked out. Yeah. Let's go there. Yeah, and, and then you have complete just openness to do whatever you want. Exactly. I mean, do the most ridiculous, elaborate, crazy dungeon with no need to justify any of it, like, like you were saying at the beginning. Right. I mean, yeah, go beyond just like, oh, there's dinosaurs here. That's weird. Like, do do an entire elaborate dungeon with weird physics and shifting gravity. Right. And just constantly switch up the atmosphere and the zone that you're in. Mm-hmm. And there's no like, oh, well, you know, how did the wizard do this? Oh, there's no consistency to to the, what the wizard was studying. It's like, yeah, it's not a wizard. It's just weird. It's just right. weirdness. And yes, in this room, there's some goblins that all have big heads, like you put big head mode on. And <laughs> DK <laughs> mode, right? <laughs> Whatever it is. Paintball mode? Yeah. <laughs> and then in, in this room, that's just filled with squids. And like, it doesn't have to be a challenge. It's just, there's just a bunch of squids here, just kind of flopping. Is there water? No, they don't need water. They're just, they're just there. It's whatever, you know, it's, uh... <laughs> It's just dumb. And then you get to the actual final 
boss of this area because you took whatever it needed and maybe you try and get away from it entirely um, and just like, you know, you, you steal what you need and get out of there. Well, uh, it can track down anything that you have taken from its lair uh, and it will find you, which I kind of like. So even if you take something, it's like as a DM, there's no like they're going to avoid this fight. It's like either it's happening now or it's happening later. And it's not going to be, well, I'm not going to say it's not going to be an easy fight. It might be a very easy fight because it only has 130 health. Yeah. We'll talk about that. So to, to get into the stat block, which we have not done at all yet, we've got an armor class of 17, HP of 130. Challenge rating 11. Challenge rating 11. Uh, it's got a 25-foot normal speed and then 50-foot swim speed. It's only medium. Everything I read about it, <clears throat> I'm picturing like some gargantuan yeah. monster. Mm-hmm. It's a medium aberration. No, it's more like a, um, it's kind of like closer to, I feel like a mind flayer is what I'm thinking of. It would just be because tentacles and it's medium. That's yeah. literally it. But it's just not huge. It's right. like a mini Kraken. Yeah, mini Kraken is a good way to put it. It's got a good stat block. 14 strength, dex, con, uh, 20 int, 15 wisdom, 13 charisma. So nothing negative. Some good saving throws of plus six to dex, plus nine to int, and plus six to whiz. So your spellcaster's probably going to have some trouble. Whiz. To whiz, yeah. <laughs> it's got a bunch of skills, probably aren't even worth going into. Resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical wait, attacks. Wait, 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 wait. Skills Sk- aren't worth talking about. <laughs> like two episodes ago, <laughs> you were like gushing over skills like, oh, the skills give you like a hidden key into how that, the yes, monster to be played. And that's... Two episodes ago. Yeah. We changed our mind. No, it was more of, uh, I wanted to get to the rest, but no, go ahead. Talk about them. Well, plus nine arcana, history, <laughs> plus ten perception, plus six stealth. Yeah. So obviously that that is, it is giving us a key into what this thing is supposed to be. And it is an, an archivist as well as a... Historian. Yeah. yeah historian. And it's a magic user with the plus nine arcana. Um with its plus 10 to perception, it is just going to be aware of everything happening in its layer. You're not right. going to pull one over on it by any means. Um, the plus six stealth, I don't really see where that plays in based on its lore beyond maybe it wants to hide in a room and like pop out at you and get the jump on you. Right. More okay. or, or more like kind of wait in the shadows and watch and wait for its opportunity. Right. You know, as the 20 ends, it kind of gives that vibe. It's just a really intelligent fighter. I do hear that. But because of its all of its spells, I almost wonder, is, is that even necessary? Like it has scrying. So would it need to be in the shadows 20 feet back or can it just stay in its lair where it's nice and protected and watch things from afar? Not to mention it's got like regional layer effects where it, where it knows, knows where, every, yeah right i don't know I, it, it yeah. knows at least um where no, something no, i is, mean right? more like it's determined it's going to fight the this party and knows how it's going to do it okay and now it's lining up and waiting for the most opportune moment to strike right waiting until they get in the squid room because now every time they run they'll start tripping and they <laughs> <get> <laughs> it's kind of floats above uh <laughs> with his tentacles attached it to actually um yeah i don't think it 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 doesn't looking at its picture it has tentacles but it also has little legs like little bug legs um i think this would be something that's on the ground it doesn't float as much as it looks like it would no yeah you're right it has a speed of 25 and a swim speed of 50 right so it's it's not like a hovering thing you're right yeah i got i got like my initial take on it was like oh it flies but it doesn't nope Kind of weird how we all. So it's just gonna that. like yeah. skitter on the ground, which would be kind of but funny. It's just tentacles just kind of dragging behind. Right? It. Yeah. 
Just, I don't like it. <laughs> Why do you use your tiny bug legs to walk? It's like, oh, I can't use these tentacles. No. They're useless. Too much, too much. Its main thing is definitely going to be it has a lot of spell casting. It's an 11th level spellcaster using its int. Uh, so it's plus nine to hit with spell attacks. Um, and it's got just some some really interesting stuff. Evard's black tentacles, which of course it's going to have because it has tentacles. It just makes sense. Yeah. You, you would not have that. Right. Uh, <laughs> some ones that I really like to see is it has shield, uh, which I always think is, is really good for uh, an enemy to have just to, to throw that up when it's useful, which is all the time. Dispel magic at third level can be nice if it's having a hard time breaking concentration on uh, a PC. Lightning bolt, which is just always nice. And then chain lightning at sixth level. Uh, so it's definitely got its damage dealers and uh, some other things. But beyond that, I mean, a lot of it seems to be pretty out of combat, at least with scrying, as I mentioned before, detect thoughts, witch bolt, which shouldn't yeah. be used ever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> identify. Yeah, detect magic. Um, actually, in combat, though, darkness, it has 30 feet of blind sight. Ooh, so it's a good point. Essentially act like it could see in the darkness. Yeah, and it's it's hit. It's like normal attacks are nothing to scoff at either. It has multi-attack, three attacks, two bites and one tentacle, or three with its bite. Well, okay. You know, I'll say its bite's really not that Yeah, I was going to say I was about to scoff at these. I'll I'll take that back. So its bite is 2d6 plus two slashing damage with plus six to hit. That's really not that great. If it hits somebody three times, that's just not doing much. 66. 66. Its tentacles are kind of nice because it can grapple somebody and do uh, damage every turn without making another attack. So well, I they can also see. hit harder. They do. So 3D8 it's 15 plus foot two. reach, plus six to hit, 3d8 plus two per tentacle, yeah. Yeah, so you're probably going to... And you're grappled. Yeah, you're going to get some benefit out of doing that, like, only when you don't have somebody tentacled. Like, doing three bites would be silly, but doing right. the tentacle, restraining somebody, and then taking two advantage attacks against them with the bite, that's going to be worthwhile. And now they really need to break that restraint. Uh, or else they're taking 3d8 plus 2 bludgeoning damage at the start of the Morkoth's turn right. without it having to do anything else. Right. And, and when all of its abilities are lightning abilities, it can line up whatever it wants. If right. It's got you restrained. So it's just going to hold you right there. And then uh, lightning with you and two others. Right. You know, and just every single time. Yeah. Also with the grapple and restrain, just based on the lore around these islands and stuff, you're probably not going to fight this alone. It's oh, probably okay, going to yeah. have other crap with it. Yeah. I imagine just like little crab monsters, but it, it really can be anything. slaves, essentially. Yeah. It collects people. Right. Yeah, that was that actually was, interesting. That was cool lore. The idea is like, these islands are not exactly centers of commerce and tourism. So you like, it's like, I'm bored. I'm going to steal like 17 peasants. And then <laughs> they live there forever. Right. And their kids, like kids and kids and kids. These kids will not know where they came from eventually. And it, can create that dreamscape idea right. where the uh, quote-unquote peasants or villagers on this island are very, very out of touch with the rest of the world. Right, and they just view that the only thing that they know is they have their Morkoth god. Oh, yeah, we've got our squid god. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on the floating island. Right. Don't yeah, go into squid room. It's a tropical environment, so it's yeah. comfortable. I yeah. mean, yeah. So if you kill the Morkoth, does the island go away? Yes, instantly, actually. What happens well, to Well, I don't know what the Everybody dies. All of the layer uh, regional effects just instantly disappear when it dies which i thought was interesting i I think the island would still stay but some of these it's like the island just floats around in on earth or whatever you want to call it 
So I don't know if it just instantly drops and... Uh, no, I think we, we went over this. When it exploded, it created these islands. The islands got light from this thing. So the islands are separate from the Morkoth. Okay, the Morkoth right, was just like a feature. You're right. So it'll just keep floating there. It's like, it's up to you. Do you want to introduce these very, very happy peasants who just lost their god to the cruel world of Faerun? Would you say the Morkoth was a feature or a bug? You know, it's an aberration. <laughs> so that kind of gives, gives you an idea. Yeah, yeah. it was a bug. <laughs> yeah. Um, its next thing uh, on its stat block is its hypnosis. So the Morkoth projects a 30-foot cone of magical energy. Each creature in that area must make a DC 17 wisdom saving throw. On a fail, it is charmed for one minute. Uh, while it's charmed, it's basically just trying to move as close as possible to the Morkoth, uh, up to five feet. And then once it's there, it just stands there. It can repeat the saving throw at the end of its turn. And when it succeeds, it now has advantage against the saving throw if it's done again. I'm like not really seeing a great use of that beyond just crowd gathering for something like Evard's Black Tentacles, where if you can get everybody like right next to each other, then that can be really good. But Evard's Black Tentacles is kind of huge as it is. Yeah, it's. I think it's more to put in a mechanical thing to make it believable of how they would have creatures bent to its will. Right. Um, you kind of see it a lot and. Like the, the Niyogi, where they're like the slavers and they kind of like can dominate people. Mm -hmm. uh, where it, their entire society is built around doing this. If you look at that stat block, it's like, it doesn't actually work that way. Um, same with the Beholder, like with the Charmway. It's like, it actually has a lot of limits. Right. But specifically with the Beholder, kind of goes on in the lore to talk about. It. It's like, outside of combat, repeated use of this will we'll break someone's will and kind of subjugate them to the Beholder. Right. I think you could apply that to a lot of things like the Morkoth's hypnosis. Yeah, definitely. That would be a really annoying thing to add, like, complete fleshed out mechanics to it's like oh you failed that save hand me the character sheet you are now an island slave <laughs> no no successes after that <laughs> um i'll let you choose a job on the island how about that Ooh, that's nice like oh i'll be the coconut husker <laughs> <laughs> my last uh eldritch being didn't let me choose my job so this is <laughs> nice i get a lot more freedom uh I mean, yeah, I, I think um, it still could possibly be used with some of these spells, but I, I also kind of agree where this is more for flavor than anything. Right. Using it in combat might feel a little bit difficult compared to some of the spells that it has. Right. Because, I mean, it's its full action. Can't do anything else. Right, right. One thing that I will note, and that something that I feel like is kind of forgotten, is the ability to upcast on a monster. Its fifth level spells are Geiss and Scrying. Two that are not going to be used in combat at all. So it doesn't really have a use for fifth level spells. The only thing that can be upcast on its list is lightning bolt. So whereas it might feel like you only have, you know, three third level lightning bolts, what you actually have is three fifth level lightning bolts. And then when you run out of those, I guess you can use the fourth and third. Um, unless you're using Evard's Black Tentacles or Dimension Door for your fourth level slot. Right. But that's, I feel like, can get wasted a lot when you're you're thinking about how much damage this thing is supposed to be doing. Uh, it should be bringing those out and using its damage spells to the, the best of its ability. Right. Yeah. And that upcast at fifth level is what, 10d6 lightning damage? Yeah. And a 100 foot long line? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, even if they succeed on the deck save, that's still a lot of damage. Right. <clears throat> so... Make sure to upcast your spells. I feel like that's just one that can really be forgotten. I've I definitely missed that tons right. of times when I used to uh, to play as a spellcaster as a, a DM. Is a lot of times they'll just have those where it's like, yeah, there's really no use for a fifth level spell slot. 
unless it's in combat and you're upcasting something. So. Right. This is actually a situation where you should use like pseudo Vancean magic where you have to like prepare your level spells. That was like how it was back in the day. Okay. Everybody hated it. like, I just want to cast fireball at whatever level I want. It's like, no, you have to prepare a fourth level of fireball if you want oh. But in this oh. situation, as a DM, you always, your brain just slips and you're like, you should just have cards and like, this is my deck of spells. I chose them. I'm not changing it. This is what I'm casting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how I go about preparing things like spellcasters is I just kind of look at it and I go, okay, so what on here is concentration? All right. Everard's black tentacles. Okay. So I'm probably going to cast that first round that I get everybody kind of grouped up. And then once that happens, I can start using my lightning bolts or, well, I guess I should start with chain lightning or, you know, maybe I want to do some of the, the lower ones first and I'll kind of set up the first couple of turns in, in what order it'll make sense to do not just the most damage, but you know, make it the most dynamic fight. Um, this was something that I actually kind of mentioned with a regret I have about a monster I made recently where I set it up to be a random ability. Uh, and all that did was make me have to one, remember to like roll for something and then also removes the ability for it to go through its like entire cycle of randomness, which made it feel less random. It's like, Oh, it went from acid to lightning and back to acid. And then there was one more turn and it was dead. So instead of it being like, oh, you got to see four different things, like, look how unstable this thing is. It's so cool and random. It's like, oh, yeah, it just kind of goes back and forth between these two. That's kind of until you sent the stat block of this thing. That's kind of what I thought it was. It's totally. Like, I thought it was like when you hit it. <laughs> yeah. It swapped because he, he happened to go after me mm-hmm. and I would generally hit it for a lot. So I thought I was triggering it. Right. Not that that matters. But yeah, that I thought it was like. All right, it's like, and it's a nerd form. They get hit a lot and it goes to its lightning form. They get hit a lot again and it goes back to its nerd form. Yep. Like. Yeah, where yeah. instead of, and, and maybe to, you yeah. still would have, uh, you know, wouldn't have figured out every bit of it, but right. that was something that I realized, like, if I had scripted the weirdness, it would have felt a lot more random. <laughs> like, if I had said, okay, right. so on initiative count 20, it's going to be this, and initiative count 10, it's going to switch again, and then 20 and 10, it's going to go through these other two, 20 that and 10, it's going to go through the other ones. It. Right, so now, like, one, it's one thing I don't have to roll for. And two, it's making you all feel that it's random. Right. Um, so I do that with spells as well, and that's kind of where I'm, I, you know, again, have a regret um, is where I, I set up which spells I'm going to use in what order, because to some extent, I know how you guys are going to fight unless it has a low in, in which case, no, then I don't. It's just random. <laughs> <laughs> but who is low int and is a spellcaster? People who make strange decisions or warlocks. Yeah. yeah or right. sorcerers. Yeah. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Paladins. Paladins. Yeah. There's actually a lot. Yeah. Again, <laughs> Int is an underused Druids, stat. I got it. Rangers. I got it. <laughs> Wait a second. I think it's all of them yeah, except, except wizards. Except wizards. <laughs> Artificer, please save us. You're our only hope. Hey, you also got arcane tricksters and eldritch knights for company. Ugh, which were dumb for just taking those in the first place. <laughs> it's, not, it's not true. It's not true. I like those classes. I really do. Ooh, last thing, it's, we we didn't talk about its reaction no, at spell all. Spell reflection. So it has its spell reflection as a reaction, which is if the Morkoth makes a successful saving throw against a spell or a spell attack misses it, the Morkoth can choose another creature, including the one who casted the spell. It can see within 120 feet. The spell targets the chosen creature instead of the Morkoth. Uh, at this point, it'll make them do a saving throw or you'll have to re-roll roll. The attack, yeah, yeah, re-roll the attack. I'm assuming using the Morkoth's spell attack bonus. It doesn't actually say, which kind of bothers me. No, I don't think so. I think no. the idea is, is the, re- the spell Literally reflects off it. the Morkoth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fine. So, I mean, that's uh, a really good reaction. Um, I hate right. that reaction. Do you know why I hate that reaction? Because it's like a counterspell and some? No, because 
No one has ever thought, wow, you uh, you made a big, big hurrah. You used your entire action and a high-level spell slot, and he passed the DC. Oh, but that's not enough. That's not enough. <laughs> your complete failure is not enough for me. It now hits the warrior, who's about to get crit because you tried to hold it, you idiot. Yeah, that's a great feeling. Yeah, I'm so happy about that one. <laughs> oh, I mean, maybe, uh, just maybe, you should have rolled better. I didn't roll! <laughs> <laughs> that's the frustrating part, because when I fucking miss something, I'm like, oh, yeah, I just suck. I should have spun that dime right, more. Right. That's irrational, obviously. <laughs> but when you succeed at DC, it's like, fuck you, man. You, yeah. you should have rolled lower. Yeah. <laughs> You're being a... You're just being mean. Yeah, I will say this is definitely a uh, a bad fight for wizards. The only benefit is it, it's reliant on its reaction. So you basically have to make it burn its reaction every turn. And that's this is the the tip for the PCs because I I always say that we you know have tips for PCs, but mostly it's just me saying how to be the biggest dick DM possible. As a player, if you're fighting against this thing, figuring out that oh it's using its reaction for this, great. All right, let's burn its reaction. I used Sacred Flame and it threw it back at us. Okay, whatever. That's not a big deal. But its reaction's burned. Let's break out the fifth level spells because now it can't reflect them at us. So if it fails, at least it just fails. That's metagaming. They no, it's two, not. Now they get two reactions. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> now, you do bring up a good point. One of the most frustrating things of being a spellcaster is your high-level spell, the save being passed. Mm-hmm. Burn that six-level spot in your entire action. It's like, ah, that always really sucks. And then adding this on top of it. Well, I mean, if it's something that, um, what if it's something you're concentrating on? That's actually, that was a question I had. It would just reflect this one use of it, right? That's what I would assume. Like, let's say call lightning for an example, because that's just going to pop up. The first turn you cast it, yes, you make a spell attack. The attack misses, let's say, or they they pass their save. Sorry, that one's a save. So they pass their save. Half the damage would still go to it. And then it would reflect it. And then next turn, you'd be no. able to use its re- reaction again. It's, Actually, it's, I don't so think that let me, count. That's a horrible example. That's like the worst one you could have chosen. Why is that? Call lightning is like you summon a cloud and then every turn you can make an action to shoot a lightning bolt. What it says is if the Morkoth makes a successful saving throw against a spell or a spell attack misses it. Yeah. It doesn't say when a spell is cast. So it doesn't matter when it's cast. If you have something that's going every single turn and it's forcing it to make a saving throw and it's from a spell, then it can reflect it. Right. So it can reflect lightning. Right. There's no reason. The concentration. It it wouldn't take half, though. It says the spell targets the chosen creature instead. That's fine. That makes sense. So, I mean, this is metagaming, but the best thing to do would be to concentrate on a low level spell that you almost like make it reflect. It doesn't have to. It can totally ignore this and just take it. A use for a witch bolt. A use for witch bolt. I will tickle you to death. <laughs> I'll tickle you back. <laughs> and then you bring out the uh, the big guns. Yeah, I mean, again, maybe that's, I think, getting a little bit far into the metagamey. The fact that is that a player's not going to figure that out in, like, the first two rounds. Like, oh, right. I guess probably how long this fight's going to be. It's not It's got long. 130 health, man. You have to have a bunch of stuff with it. You do. You do. And I think and that... just stay back and... Throw spells out and make itself hard to hit. In an aquatic environment, I will say that that is probably very viable. 
You, yeah. if you don't put this thing in an aquatic environment, I feel like he's going to be so friggin' easy to nuke. It's not even funny. Yeah, for sure. I mean, your paladin gets up close, and that's basically it. His resistances are just uh, against non-magical attacks. And his challenge rating 11. He's not then. immune to anything. It's... Right. He doesn't even have anything. Like, I, I kind of wish it had, like, a hold person, to be honest. Or that it's hypnosis made you, like, use your action. I think it, it, you can use... What is it? You, you use it, your action to dash. And then once you're there, can you do anything? No. That's it. It, it just says the target really tries to get dumb. as close to the Morkoth as possible. It doesn't say anything else they're just charmed which is no oh can't attack the charmer that's it that's right charm specifically says that i always forget that charmed is like actually worthwhile uh so when they're charmed a charm creature can't attack the charmer or target the charmer with harmful abilities or magical effects and the morkoth would have advantage on any ability checks that use charisma right so i mean yeah that's that's not bad so you can at least get things close to you and stop them from attacking so if you get, and it's a DC 17 wisdom save, which is pretty high up there. You're yeah. you're going to get your main damage dealers because most of them are going to be not very that, high in the That's going to be the strategy is getting the damage dealers out. Because right. you're not really, you don't have the ability to do much against them. No. Your attacks are kind of garbage. And also when you're charmed, you kind of have to not attack them. No. So I don't. Yeah, but at the same time, then so it it draws them in. So you're saying you're doing this on your main damage dealers, who gets to repeat the same and throw yeah. every single turn, <laughs> right? And so then they break it, and then they're and right now, there. Yeah, they're right next to you. Oops, uh, <laughs> that's fair. So I think it on the bright side, it is at the end of each of their turns. So True, you like so you just it's, you're at least getting one or two turns, but um, it also has dimension door, right? Um, so true. you can actually just keep them moving as long as you want to. Well, not as long, sorry. I mean, there's a limit to how many dimension doors, and it's an action. But if they succeed, it's like, oh, they're right here. Dimension door out, and let's pick up where we left off. You know, so there's some ways out of it. Otherwise, yeah, yeah you're kind of just putting the main damage dealers right there, and that can be a problem. Because <laughs> even at this level, you guys are dealing close to 75 damage a turn, if not more, if you're all doing damage. Yeah. So I don't want to see... I think 130 is not a stretch at level right. 11. right. Or anywhere close. Um, one of its layer actions, though, the Morkoth uses its hypnosis action originating at a point within 120 feet of itself. It doesn't need to see the effects points of origin. Right. Does that mean it would draw them to that point? No, it's still going to go. It's not towards the point of origin on the hypnosis. It's towards the Morkoth. What's the range on the hypnosis? A 30 foot cone. Oh, right. Okay. So, Oh, I mean, then you make a cone within... Got it. Right. 120 so, feet of you. Right, right, right. So, I mean, that's that's a very good point, though, because we were talking about how, like, the, the first couple turns here, it can be hard to choose an action out of all of these, and that makes it so you don't have to. Hey, right. here's, here's the hypnosis. And you can yeah, just keep doing that. Yeah, initiative count 20, yeah. Right. It also can cast Darkness, uh, Dispel Magic, or Misty Step yep. without using a spell slot. So Misty Step, that's great for what we just talked about when the fighter comes back, too, and you're like, oh, get out of here. And that's only a bonus action compared to just dimension door which is full action actually i don't remember no it's the layer action it's bro. the layer action it is so so it's just initiative count 20 yeah, yeah that's cast misty step which is spell magic for darkness that's actually a really good point yeah so ooh, so you get every all of your damage dealers charmed or even just one or two of them whatever and then you get them in like darkness just around you and then all of your spells don't really care whether or not there's darkness besides needing to be able to see something but then does, does it have blind sight? can see it's got it blind sight. it has blind sight so all right so now you're casting uh you know your 
chain lightning and lightning bolts on them right up close without any penalty. And when they do finally dispel magic on the darkness, say, it's like, all right, I'm just going to Misty step out of here for free. I guess dispel magic on the darkness. That's such an old joke, man. I'm sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. I know. It's also like magic 98. missiles. I know. That's <laughs> yeah. That doesn't make sense, though. Why would you cast magic missiles at the darkness? <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, I mean, there's you can get creative at the very least with this fight. Uh, I think the 130 HP is very low, but there are plenty of ways to get around it. And as you have said, Kevin, multiple times, this needs to have some minions. Right. You're going to have a bad time just throwing this against five level nines and being like oh let's see how long this fight lasts oh around just right. one okay sorry <laughs> i'll make it better next time guys oh here's the second more cog <laughs> it also doesn't have minions it's oh crazy just one there's just there's an endless line of more <laughs> until you that's, almost die that's the gimmick of this island <laughs> <laughs> what i always find difficult with these like hypnosis for example is uh i feel like it's always like in my head as a DM, I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait to see, like, how this plays out. I'm going to get the fighters and all the others are going to, like, succeed because they've got high wisdom. And then, like, everybody just rolls super low or everyone rolls really high or whatever. And it just, like, completely ruins any plan I had. And I'm like, <laughs> huh, what do I do from here? <laughs> I was really, really putting everything on that. Let's fudge it, man. <laughs> Fudging DCs is the worst. What'd you get? 14. All right. What'd you get? 14. Uh, you succeed and you fail. <laughs> What? <laughs> it's a very old D- DC. So uh, yeah, uh, just yeah. like uh, the, there's a graph. It's really confusing. Yeah. But yeah. You're but don't to... worry. I'm the DM. So I understand <laughs> it. Uh, that's my job. It's on the screen right here. <laughs> <laughs> this will be fun, though. Say, I, I've yeah. I've never I've never heard of this before or before doing this. Um, yeah. So it's it's kind of underutilized, in my opinion, especially because I feel like I always hear people wanting to have like just completely wacky out there stuff. It's like, here's your time to do it. Have dinosaurs riding dinosaurs. I don't know why I'm hung up on the dinosaurs. Thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dinosaurs riding dinosaurs. Is funny. But that is like, again, that just reality breaking thing. That's just like, oh, man, imagine if you're riding a stegosaurus. That would suck. Right. Or like the <laughs> dinosaurs riding people, you know, whatever you want. Why? Why would they do that? Uh, I think my biggest complaint is I there's like a ton of stuff in this stupid monster that just suggesting that it's like a historian or an archivist mm-hmm. or a, it's just I feel like there's not a lot you'd have to you have to come up with a way for it to interact with people for right. any of that to come out. And it doesn't strike me as something that you would just like have a casual conversation with. Okay, no, that actually brings up a good point. So somewhere in its uh, big bit of lore here, it talks about how uh, it, it might give away a piece of its yeah. hoard if, you know, it's replaced with something of significant value or, you know, you're, I guess, doing a favor for it or something. I, I could see. So there's the obvious there. There's the obvious thing there. There's like, we need the MacGuffin. Right. He wants the gamuffin. Right. It's like, all right. <laughs> What an incredibly unique and challenging quest, both spiritually and, you know, mechanically. I really try to avoid MacGuffins. I'm I'm, I'm kind of tired of them, but that's probably because I centered a campaign around them. Uh. <laughs> it's just too easy. But yeah. so you've got that situation was like, how does that play out? Like, what is it doesn't really tell you what it's like. It no. Doesn't tell, what does it speak? It just says telepathy. telepathy. All right, that's fine. So it, it doesn't, doesn't know language. any languages. It doesn't have any hobbies. It doesn't talk 
in pig Latin. There's just nothing there. It's like, what does this pig guy Latin? act like? Right. No, that's fair. I mean, he he acts like somebody who wants to hoard everything. That's so when not you, a person. I know, I know, I know. So when you say, I mean, uh, so when you say to somebody or to this thing, like, hey, I'll give you this in exchange for that. It goes, how about you give me that? And I'm not going to give you anything. And that's that's it. That's like, that's how terrible. I see this playing out. I hear what you're like. That. It is. I would like it to be a conversation, but this thing isn't going to be swayed very easily. But yeah, I guess it's not going to be swayed easily, but yeah, I think they kind of fell short in explaining what it, this might be like. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I know they do, they do that a lot more in campaign books than anything. So I think if you ended up in a D&D campaign book that featured a Morkoth, they'd be like, role playing the Morkoth. Right. I would not be complaining right now. Right. But, you know, I don't know. I don't think they're going to put it in a book anytime soon. I am. I don't know, man. They did. They did. We just talked about this. Oh, it's in like, Storm oh King's man, Thunder, those right. dumb quests in Storm King Slender that we skipped. Apparently, right. it's in there. That would be interesting in a campaign book where it had like a bunch of tables, like roll on the tables to uh, show what the island will look like. Yeah, and you could just have it be like right. kind of random there if you you know didn't feel like making up your own thing because sometimes it can be hard to be random. Like you know, all the time. <laughs> all the dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, I, you just keep going back to the dinosaurs. I'm trying to be random. It's not working. Oh, what if the base of the island was a big dinosaur? Ooh, it's oh, dinosaurs man. all the way down. Yeah. And then giant people crawl around and they're roaring like dinosaurs. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that'd be have hilarious. the stat block of Pedersons, but they're as aggressive as dinosaurs. No, no, you give them the full stat block of a T Rex and nope. its tail is just taped on. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's just like, is that? Is he joking with us? It reminds me, and like, he hates you. It reminds me of like Attack on Titan, the Titans in that. Oh yeah, where they're just like, and that's. And they just have like, the big smile. Like, oh, is there any like personality to them? And they're like, <laughs> okay, this is the T Rex person. Uh, if you catch up on season five, you'll actually start to learn more about the lore of the Titans, Jared. Stopped after one. Yeah, sorry, it's probably <laughs> it's worth pausing. Really good one season. Um, anyways. I, I hope uh, people don't mind our anime tangents. They're <laughs> hopefully short, but <laughs> anyways, anything else on the Morkoth? I think nah. it's cool. I like it. Yeah, it's interesting. I'd use it once, but I, I don't think I'd use it as a, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like there's got to be a way around the MacGuffin. Maybe like, a, you know, hey, this island's a nuisance. We keep having people get drawn to it for some reason, and yeah. we need you to like stop that. Eh, yeah. yeah. And then your PCs have an island. Because that's an uninhabited island where they're now the gods of it. And it's a weird ass place. And they learn to control it. And yeah. They cover it in cannons. And suddenly you're like, <laughs> how do I take this away? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well. Um, all right. So that's it for today's episode. Cool. Thanks for listening. Next time on Monsters and Multiplayer. Join us next time as we discuss the Ranger Sorcerer and the Deathlock from Morden Kanan's Tome of Foes. Or Tome of Foes.